I'm turning the uh, I'm turning the show on. We're right. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to an episode of Golf Talk Live. Mm, um, yes. No, I was just saying. If, well, Fred, you were just getting your coffee. I was saying to Daniel, like, what if you know back in Alberta days, you know, Dan's father came to him and said, you know, Dan, I've spoken to Baby Jesus, and <laughs> what he what he wants for you, son, is not a career in radio and TV and. You know, cocks when cocking around or whatever. <laughs> what baby Jesus wants is for you to be a golfer. Because as Fred pointed out to me before you just came in, he said, I said, how did Dan play? And he said, Dan always hits a series of good shots. And he, and, uh, he has a good motion. And, you know, what if, what if Dan Duran? What if, yeah. yeah. Other, other, another path, a fork in the road, perhaps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Back in my high school days. When uh, instead of being part of the radio club, I somehow got in with the jocks and then decided that golf was my game. Exactly, Fred. Can you That's imagine? Mm-hmm. Fred, maybe, um, you know, we the last, you know, 15 years, you know, the greatest uh, Canadian golfer could have been uh, one Daniel Gieber. Because that's the one thing you wouldn't have. Uh, oh, here we go. And welcome to Augusta National. <laughs> The home of the Masters. Later on, we'll talk to Bob Weeks about his experiences there. But first, let's go to the course. And Fred, I see you're following Dan Duran as he plays his final Masters after a Hall of Fame career. What do you can? What can you tell us about Dan Duran and where all this power came from? Well, humble, it's uncanny. This man, the mechanics are there. It's uh, the headspace that I'm somewhat concerned about. He doesn't seem to concentrate on every shot. Uh, uh, some yes, some no. Uh, when his mind is into it, my God, that ball off the club head, it's a thing of beauty. Right. Uh, but sometimes he'll stand above that ball and he'll top it four times in a row. And, and it's hard to figure out exactly how that could happen. As I explained to him yesterday, I've never seen anybody top the ball and it have, it, have it go straight up there four times in a row. And then, Howard, he bears down and he puts one on the green from 150 yards out. You know, uh, Fred, most golfers uh, are... Own, well, the rules state you're only allowed to carry 14 clubs. But we know our Dan Duran carries a 15th club. <laughs> does, does that mini driver ever come into yeah. play? Does he ever take out the, the number 1A wood? Mm. Howard... Yes, sir. He Fred. uses it as his putter. He pokes it in the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Dan Duran, we uh, congratulate you on. And what about. Here's something. I mean, I've, I've uh, assessed Fred's game, <clears throat> excuse me, which is pretty good. Uh, but what are you, in your estimation, are you able to make a judgment about how Mr. Patterson, you know, goes about flailing around the golf course? Well, it's impressive. I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot about swings, and I do understand. Like, it's interesting. He tells me all the things he tells me, and then, uh, then his frustration level. Like, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> he, he hits something. He hits something, and then there's a lot of swearing. And oh know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> putting himself down and taking himself, and then he, and then in the end, it's some, some sort of uh, you know offhand, light, light-handed remark, and he seems to forget about it for about a second or two. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, but he, yes, that's an assessment of his game, yes. Uh, but what about the way he does? He, because he'll, the thing about Fred is he will get the odd one in the air. Uh, oh, yeah. 
You know, yeah, that's he, true. Yeah, I mean the the way uh, I mean because he's a left-handed swinger. And, yes, he's and a left-handed just, swinger. It, he swings. He, just he's a, yeah. He's, 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 it's a different kind of look. And uh, well, because it's well, left-handed for sure. Yeah. Dan, do you know that what Canada has more than any other nation when it comes to golf? I'm guessing left-handed swingers. More left-handed. What well, you tell you what? Just just for we don't call them left-handed swingers. Okay, oh, yeah. we just call them left-handers. It's like okay. it's like talking to somebody who says, "I'm not really into sports games." Yeah, we could tell by that sentence. <laughs> okay. But uh, so, yeah, he's, that, a, he's a lefty. lefty. He's a lefty. Okay. He's yeah. a lefty, but he right. Yeah, there's a lot of good in that swing. And every once in a while, he flails. The arms all happen, and, and the ball gets in the way, and it's fantastic. Well, I think he was probably. You were probably the most. I don't know what Darren's uh, final score was, but you were uh, you you consistently near the the back nine. You kept you know. He was at the top of the leaderboard, I, was he? I'd say. I <clears throat> as unorthodox as I am, I do a pretty good job of keeping the ball on the course. That's it. And that Howard taught me that. I did. To. And Howard, as I told you, Dan, along the way, mm-hmm. Howard explained to me sometimes take that extra shot to save three. And I sort of keep that in mind because a lot of guys make that mistake. They over, they give themselves too much credit and they try to make shots they can't. That's, ex- that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's and, and listen, kids, I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. They're talking about golf now. Then when they get oh, weeks on, Humble's going to go crazy. I'll tell you right now, before we start the show, the, one of the, the greatest tips you can have um, if you're thinking about playing golf this weekend, <laughs> this is universal. You're not as good as you think you are, so make decisions based on how good you actually are. This is it. And, and the idea, golf is all about not scoring um, like making extra, extraordinary shots. Golf's all about conserving scores. So when you're yes. in trouble, get out of trouble, get back on the course, what you said a second ago about what Fred does, or, or maybe it was Fred who said it. When you keep the course in front of you, you always have a chance to shoot a lower score. But while you're going side to side or yes. popping up top shots that go into the air, it's hard to score that way. But, of course, that's not what you were doing there yesterday, Dan. But, <clears throat> no. But that's a pro tip for you kids. Yesterday, I, as I said, I carded a lot of bogeys <laughs> on that course. I had a lot of fives. Um, you know, and I only get it out a couple of hundred yards off the tee, but... Yesterday, my sort of hybrid was working pretty good, so I found myself on the green like in three uh, quite often. So, well, you think if, you, know, if like, you bogey, big, big time, big time golfers are no. there in two, but <clears throat> no, it doesn't even matter. Big time golfers will be there in two and still make bogeys. Here's the thing: if you bogey eighteen of the holes on a par seventy-two course, you shoot ninety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. That's a decent score. You know, the average male golfer handicap in North America is somebody that shoots close to the high 80s or 90s. That's the average. Mm-hmm. So most people aren't very good at this sport. In fact, we all suck at some level. Uh, but Dan, I'm, always, I'm happy. Um, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to come up. I want to talk to you guys after. But there, I want to come up for a couple of days when Dan's there. And I, I would like to golf with you guys. The four of us could go golfing. You can get all frustrated yeah. with our uh, our no, level of play no, compared no. to yours, Dan. I don't think you know me because <laughs> I don't know. I really don't believe. I don't think you know me because ask Fred. When we golf, uh, when I golf with him, I'm taking Fred's uh, son golfing next Thursday. 
I'm the opposite of frustrated playing with play- players that aren't. I, I just I find it. I love it. I love playing with guys like you and Fred because then I can sort of maybe I can help you a little bit or maybe I can offer a tip or two to make the experience better for you. Mm-hmm. Well, well that is, I, 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 I just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I've seen you do that and well, I, you know, yeah. I do appreciate it. But I don't know if I just didn't know in, in no, your heart if you're actually no, enjoying course, it. No, I love it. Because well, here's the thing. I, when I play with you and Fred and guys like that, I just I, for me, it's it's fun because it's it's the opposite of frustrating for me. And I have no stakes in it. Do you know what I mean? I get the ball airborne, and you guys all go great shot, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, that's not really great." Well, job listen, I'm not, I'm not enough around you enough. You give me technical pointers that on that day, it's remarkable what they do for you, and then you don't know, golf for a couple of weeks, and you just sort of forget them. What sure? What is easy to remember and retain is the strategy that you tell me. When I stand on the course, it's like, no, I'm not going to be able to carry that creek there. No, I'm going to play up to it. Because if I try to carry it, now, you know, one extra shot is going to be, as we said earlier, three. And uh, and it's fun to do that. Listen, if you stay within your... And I hate that term. No, no, I love that term. If you stay within yourself, you have a really? decent... Absolutely, you yes. do. okay. That's what I said. If you recognize your own abilities and are truthful... Yes. And you make decisions based on really what's your actual ability. Can you carry that water? No, you can't. Right. But if you try, the one time out of 40, it might happen. But the other 39 times, you're making triples and doubles and you feel like yes. shit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, it, you know, and it's funny all these years later, if you can more and more, my card, my card, doesn't have 100 on it, which no. I like. Really? Yeah. It, does, it it still does quite often, but more often now than it used to, it's a nine, you know? Was well, And you have the ability on the courses you play to bogey or par almost every hole in the course. So if you only make a couple of really bad holes, right. a couple of doubles, you're going to shoot 90-something all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so there's going to be more golf talk, except today... It'll be more of a technical nature. No, no, I don't mean technical golf swing. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things going on in the world of golf with a guy that's been covering the sport for a long time, uh, editor of Score Golf Magazine. And and I sort of tweeted to him yesterday, like, uh, obviously, when I watch Bob Weeks on the Masters, I'm like, God damn, that's the job I would love to have. So first, we'll talk to uh, Bob about what it's like covering those uh, those moments in the biggest um, biggest moments in that sport. And a little bit today about a rival league that is starting up, headed by Greg Norman. And it's going to be part of the news very soon. So it'll be a good primer today for you people interested in that sport. Also, the regular nonsense. And, of course, Dan Duran. This episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Hubble and Fred Studios in Brampton, Toronto, and the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and our newest sponsor, Hush Blankets, with their 100-night guarantee. And now, here are two men who on the weekend eagerly switched out their winter wardrobe for spring. For one, it's famed fashion designer Kirkland. And for the other, it's local golf sponsorship merch. It's Humble and Fred. It's funny. Oh, it is logoed sponsorship merch. Did I tell you this on the air, though, that Kirkland... Was this off the air that I said Kirkland makes really good golf balls now? Yeah. 
Dan, you're a big Kirkland guy. I can't again. I can't remember if it was uh, maybe it was off here, but I uh, Kirkland makes a version of the Titleist Pro V, which is you know one of the top line golf balls, and of course TaylorMade makes a similar ball. And they're, I don't know what they are, a dozen, probably $75 a dozen. But I can only imagine the Kirkland version of those balls is much cheaper. Well, Dan was down to, I think, two range balls. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, Howard, I, not even range balls. They were, I think he got them out of the lake after they had been, you know, where we hit balls in front of the trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, Dan. They, they were, were white the balls. <laughs> they were white balls, but they had this yellowish color to them. Yes. Um, they were waterlogged. And then, you know what? Just like, you know, the gods were shining down upon mm-hmm. him. He, we happened upon this pond, and Darren has a ball retreat, retriever, and he, I, I, he plucked out like eight balls. Wow. And he was back in business. It was great. <laughs> Dan, the next time you come over, I'll, I've got a, a bunch of practice balls here. I'll give them to Oh, okay. Well, oh, oh. I told Dan to do what I do. I go to Costco and I get a bag of 60 for the house and a bag of 60 for the trailer and they lay like 29 bucks yeah. each. Oh, that's Walmart. The bag. You said Walmart, you said Walmart. Right? No, uh, yeah, Walmart. Costco, so, yeah. yeah, Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. And again, I don't know what they're selling these uh, Kirkland Pro Vs or whatever they're calling them for, but they're really they're really good golf balls. If you're looking to buy them as, as a gift or if you're a golfer, check them out. Uh, listen, what else did we? There's something. This I don't want to because I, I know the audience is like <laughs> I'm thinking golf, but. Uh, I am looking forward to it. I called uh, Fred's son, Danny, yesterday, who obviously I've known his whole life. But I have a relationship with Danny because we work together. And outside of Fred, you know, we used to do a lot of video stuff together. And I hadn't talked to him in a while. You brought up the fact that he's getting into golf again. Mm-hmm. So I called Danny and I said, listen, I got some time. I don't know what your schedule because he's pretty busy, right? He's going away with who is he working for right now? Um, TFC? TFC, yeah. Okay. I said, your father tells me you're busy, but, you know, let's do this before the tournament season kicks off. And uh, lo and behold, you know, Danny P. and I are going to spend the day next Thursday. And I can tell just from talking to him that he's really getting into it because mm-hmm. we were right away. He's got, he's got a couple of questions I want to ask him. We were, and I had given mm-hmm. him years ago. I gave him a, a golf instruction book anyway. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with him for the day. You know, you know, he's funny, right? Like, he's really yeah. funny. <laughs> he's funny. And, I, and the reason I say, I say, you know, because obviously he's funny around his dad. But I've done some, you know, I've been on sets with him. We've had to go and do remotes, like drive to places and shoot stuff together and just sort of hanging out with him. He makes me laugh. He makes me laugh in a different way than you do. Sort of got a drier uh-huh. sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's pretty yeah. dry, and, uh, but it's fun. And even yesterday on the phone, we were just talking about just his delivery. He's like, yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's good. And it was very gracious of you to ask me to come along. But no, I'd rather you just go concentrate on him. Because I'm a whole other project. Seriously, yes, you know you what are. I mean? Yeah, no, I it's want, true. I don't want to right. be in a position where you're saying, okay, Danny, do this. Okay, Fred. No, you know, just him. <laughs> no, I, it'll be good. You know, and, and it'll be just good to hang out, the two of us. Yeah. And, and I asked you because I thought, well, why not bring the dad with us? But it, but just the spending the day, like, without his father. Yeah, his father's friend. But like I said, I have, a, I have my own experience of Dan and our own running gags and right. whatever. And... and I've uh, a guy in his mid thirties. You know, if he could just get on the other side of that and become a golfer, like in his, in the eighties, which I know he can, I I would really like to see that. 
no, for him. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know how much you can enjoy the game. And he does enjoy the game. Yeah, you can tell. So if he can, <clears throat> if he can just, you know, just get on the other side of being a hack, that would be good. Yeah, and it's so funny when I, just to close this off, whenever I think, even, even yesterday when I got off the phone and, you know, I think about what reminded me of it. I just asked you when his birthday is. And you said June 10th. And I realized, well, I met this kid that I'm about to go golfing with next Thursday. When he was four years old. And he's about to turn what? 37. Wow. Mm -hmm. So he's actually older than I am, than I was when I met him. He's older now than I was when I met him. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Dan, of course, doesn't understand age or time, so he doesn't remember. <laughs> he doesn't remember when he was born, when his father Dan, passed do you, away. Do you know Colton? Do you know Colton's birthday? I uh, yes, I do. November thirteenth. Well, how yeah. do you remember that one and no one else? Because <laughs> he's my son. He is a boy. He's a beautiful boy. I I, I went to uh, see uh, Colton in the hospital down there at Women's College. Yeah, you did. Sweet Colton when he was born. All right, kids. Uh, Dan Duran's news coming up later. I mentioned the uh, retirement Sherpa as well. Well, a couple cool stories today I want to run by you. And, of course, we'll be talking about last night's Leaf game. But first, do you want to make uh, mention of these fine folks? Yeah, listen. uh, If you're thinking about the beaches of Costa Rica, you know, or the Dominican Republic or some exotic offshore place... Uh, get the spring in your steps and rejuvenate yourself with some R&R. If that's what you're thinking, well, you deserve peace of mind when you're traveling. Uh, so surf like a local with the tap of a button. GigSky offers 100% data plan, uh, maps, Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, FaceTime, GigSky. It's all there for you while you're traveling. Hotels, you know, rental cars. You're connected. And GigSky Travel reward, Rewards offer up to 50% cash back. On over 850,000 hotels globally. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Reduced rates for all these things that you need when you're traveling. GigSky, they're all over it for you. Go to uh, gigsky.com slash travel rewards. Sign into your account for more information about the program. That's gigsky.com. Yes, it is. Um, Let me just uh, get some audio ready. Usually I do this uh, much later in the show uh, after you've done the live version of this, but I missed it yesterday, so here it is today. ...during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, Not only do I want to mention that, but I would like to point out that one of our newest sponsors, I'm getting some interesting reactions. People have all heard about Hush, Hush Blankets. You know, if you're concerned, like a lot of people, the quality of your sleep is important. And Hush Blankets is an industry leading sleep brand. And it carries a wide range of sleep essentials, not just the famous best-selling weighted blankets and mattresses. They even have their ice technology, which keeps you cool all night long in their iced weighted blanket and 
They're mattresses. If you're looking to improve your nightly rest naturally, Hush is the answer. Uh, And how about this? If you're not 100% sold once you buy a Hush product... They have a 100-night guarantee on all their products. Try it for... Think about this. You get to try it for 100 nights. I know you know what that means. But you can return it hassle-free. And, of course, a great gift. Father's Day is coming up next. Maybe get Dad a nice weighted blanket to watch golf with. Uh, How about this? Hushblankets.com. We're going to give you a promo code. H-U-M-B-L-E. That gets you 10% off. That's the highest discount they offer. Hushblankets.com. Promo code H-U-M. B-L-E. Yeah, so uh, I just, I was going to text you at the beginning of what I thought was the end of your team. Around the middle, <laughs> around the middle of the first period, I thought, well, I'm going to text Fred and say something funny like, uh, well, I see what you see now. This is, I, I wrote down some notes. I'm like, this team is disappointing. Um... It just had a, a, and I know it was weird for, it's weird that we're having this conversation because you didn't start watching it until the second or third period. Uh, Towards the end of the second. So you, you, well, if you had seen the first period, it would have made you ill. Yeah, I had no intention of watching the first period. I got home from up north and sat with my wife and she loves her Blue Jays, so we watch the Jays. I had no intention of watching the first period. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I, again, I shouldn't say I, I do know how you do it because you've watched a billion more Leaf games than I, and, yeah, you're, and I, you're jaded, and you're... I get it. Yeah, it's like, you know... To me, it's like an old sitcom where you've seen all the episodes so many times. Yeah, and you're just waiting for... That's a great analogy. It's like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Now, you're just waiting for a different series finale, so to speak. Yeah. And we may get one. I don't know. I mean... As I say to you, you know, and again, I it sounds negative and everything. That's super. They're up three two. Okay, you got to win a fourth game. Yeah, and we've seen this how many times over the past few years? They've been in a position to win that fourth game, and they just can't. So here you are again, guys. You talked about it last year. You want to be in this position again? Here you go. Let's see what happens. And if you and I don't, I don't think you're being just a negative Nelly without. It's not like. Well, let's go back just the last three seasons. Oh, yeah. Montreal, oh, Boston. Bo- isn't it, <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Boston, Boston, Montreal. All lose in the first round. Yep. You know, in the two Boston series, they could have clinched and didn't. That one in game six, they were home for game six, up 3-2. All they had to do was win at home. And they absolutely did a no-show and ended up losing in seven. And then... The abbreviated series against Columbus, same thing. They win the first game and then, like, lose three in a row or something and hardly score a goal. And then last year, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, so my point about your um, attitude is it. I get it. Listen, I was excited to watch it. And this is going to sound so my buddy mm-hmm. Dave came over. Uh, I couldn't find pork chops that I like. So I got these giant sausages oh, and a barbecue. Yes, some nice, you know, barbecue, mm-hmm. some sausage. Yeah, and uh, around seven something, I sort of reminded him. I said, "Hey, dude, I, you know, ha- love having you here, but I, I got to. Wa- I'm going to watch this hockey game, right? And, you know, so you know, uh, if you're not going to watch it, you know, he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take off. Like I made my night about watching that hockey game. He's not interested in the no. Leafs at all. Ah, eh, no, hockey, no. Yeah. And uh, so here's my summary of the game, just very simply: mm. they suck. 
then they sucked less, mm-hmm. then they didn't suck, and then mm-hmm. then the other team sucked. <laughs> they um, they were so bad in the first period, I thought. I started thinking toward the end of the first period that I was trying to, like, what am I going to watch now? Like, I thought this was going to be my night. And then, you know, it, I, I wrote it, it was they were outshot 14-3 in the first 15 minutes of the game. They ended the period 14-5, but I'll say this about Jack Campbell. He made a save late in the first period. You know, what's what we love about sport, it just changed the temp, it just changed the tenor mm-hmm, of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, you and I both played hockey. There's something happens to the forwards and the, the rest of the team when the, the goalie does that. Yes. It just gives you a bit of a lift. Yes. Because I'll tell you, if you go back and watch the highlights of the first period, it was like Tampa Bay reminded me of a Bantam team that were just told by their coach, just take a lot of shots. Yeah. <laughs> they did. It was almost like that. What's the coach of Tampa Bay? Cooper? Yeah, John Cooper. It was like he told his team, this guy's not that good. Just get a lot of shots on him. And that's what they did. Well, I heard that yesterday. Tampa's strategy was, given the Leafs' history and how fragile they would be, because after that... You know, that egg they laid in Tampa on Sunday night. You know, the pressure was on. So apparently Cooper had said that to his guys. When we go out there, let's get let's get a lead because then these guys may fall apart. Mm -hmm. Given their history in front of their home crowd. And so that was the strategy and it worked. They went up to nothing. And if to me, what I'm impressed with, not so much that they won, but how they won being down to nothing. Yeah. Going up 3-2, then having Tampa tie it, and then getting the clincher. I'm impressed with that because that's sort of that's sort of not the norm. When they win, they usually come out quick and get a big lead and hold on for dear life. This clawing back the way they did is, is something I haven't seen, you know, against a really good team. So... Uh, who knows? So well, by the time you started watching it, toward the end of the second period, the die had been cast. Because I'll tell you, this first ten or fifteen minutes of the second period, I'd written down to write. I wrote to one to say to you, it's "Too bad the second period wasn't the first because mm-hmm. they got into a hole." And that fucking Stamkos is good. God damn it, he's good. And he was good again last night. He scored the first goal, and I actually said, "God damn, Samkos, stop being so good." But our, but you're, you know, the guy that you've been talking about, Tavares, had himself a couple of nice points. He he mm-hmm. he, he scored a goal, although it was basically a shot that deflected off him. But right. I always tell you, there was a period of about five or six minutes in the middle of the second period. The Leafs looked like a completely different team, and Tampa Bay for for the first time since I've been watching it, so a couple of games. Looked like they couldn't handle what was being what was being uh, thrown at them, and it was all five on five. Howard, this is the frustrating point. Like the first game and the third game, and then the second half of last night's game, they can dictate the play to yeah. Tampa with their speed. The big question is why? Why do you have these lulls where you don't? And I, and I know it's impossible sixty minutes every game. But if you know that, how do you lay that egg in in Tampa the other night or in game two when you know what you have to do? There is a formula, and that's been part of this team's problem. You know, they win, and then they get all proud of themselves, and then the next game starts, and then the next thing you know, you're out of it. Um, So 
you know, people keep saying, you know, you learn from you learn from failure. Obviously, you do. And will this be? You know, you know, tomorrow night, will they go into Tampa and win the series? Well, then you'll know they really learned what they needed to learn, I guess. I think you're bang on because that team that came out and got scored on four times or whatever it was in the first period the other night, I'm like, I don't know who those guys are. But that team in the second period, that was a different vibe. They yeah. had a, I'm going to use a word, they seemed... I was going to say ferocious, and that's not it. They just seemed like they wanted it so bad. And, and that's why mm-hmm. I, I had wondered when you started watching it, because they they came out in the second period. And, and once a tempo of a t- uh, uh, has been established, it's hard to, to mm-hmm. reconfigure. But I'll tell you, that it was, a, it was a different vibe, and it was pretty mm-hmm. exciting. Even before they scored, you just got the... They could have... They, it could have been 10-2 last night. They had so many chances. They deserved and- to win. Yeah, and they have no excuses now because the only way they can lose this series now is Game Seven at home. Yeah, like what more do you want? Yeah, really? yeah, that's cool. Because even if they lose tomorrow night, which is very conceivable in Tampa, the only way they can lose it is on your home rink in Game Seven in front of your own crowd with your shitty history. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. like what more do you want? But it's too much, man. Like, would that be Sunday night? So they play. No, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday. Saturday. Oh, good, good, good. A couple of things that are not about the actual game. But I mean, uh, you know, I love, have you seen the numeric commercials when he's, they're doing the Microsoft Teams. It's him and Elliot. Yeah, uh, quickly, I just saw one of those. Yes. And Taylor, who's Taylor? I don't know. There's There's three guys on the commercial. There's Merrick, Elliot Gould. And another dude, I guess I'm supposed to know, but I don't. But it's funny. It's uh, Elliot Friedman. No, I said Elliot Friedman. You said Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. <laughs> Sorry. Elliot Friedman, not Elliot Gould. Merrick and another dude. And uh, it's cute. It's like, you know, seeing Jeff doing a little acting. It was cute. I like that. Speaking of Jeff's, it was uh, Schwarmer's birthday a couple days ago. <clears throat> I sent him a note. Oh, I was corresponding with Schwarmer. Yeah, I uh, called him yesterday. Because when it was two, <clears throat> he said, "I, I hope Dubas and Shanahan get fired." Oh, you did, eh? And That's at that funny. point, I predicted when it was two nothing, and I hadn't tuned in yet. I said, "Jeff, I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs didn't score another goal this series, and then they go on to score four. But hey, I've been wrong before. You notice that? Hmm? No, you haven't. Um, yeah, I sent him a note when I found out it was Schwarmy's birthday. And uh, I, still, I left him a voice message, and he said, hey, I'm on a call. Can I call you back? Actually, he said, Poopy, I'm on a call. Can I call you back? I said, of course, Harry Bum. But uh, Merrick's commercial I thought was cute. Uh, another thing, uh, there's a kid who came on. So Ron McClain starts it, and he was fine. And he throws it to some guy named Kyle. Oh, yes. That guy. Yes. That guy, young-looking guy with the nice hair. Bukaka. Boo. Yeah. Kyle Bukaki or something. So I wrote. I wrote down. I go. His name is Kyle Dubakakis. <laughs> I wrote. I'm so fucking stupid. I wrote down. He must have grown up being called Kyle Bukaki. There's just no way he wasn't. <laughs> I thought. Does everyone think that every time they see? And now we'll go to Kyle Dubakakis or whatever. Again, I'm not making fun of his name. But at 62, the first thing I thought is this kid definitely grew up being called Kyle Bukaki or something. Yeah. 
What's his actual, <laughs> what's his actual name? Kyle uh, something. I, you know what? I, I, well, I thought you were looking it up. No, I'm looking up because it's funny how these things pop up that are connected, and I'm just going to tell you about something. Please tell me about it. Another one. All right. There's a guy that does the Blue Jay games, and Delise did not find any humor in this at all. But again, that doesn't, that's not the best humor meter. Actually. No, no, it's not. Especially when it comes to <laughs> stuff like that. Well, no, because she has actual taste. There's a guy on Blue Jay games. His name is Arden Zvelling. Oh. <laughs> Arden Zvelling. I, and whenever I hear it, you know what I hear? Are you swelling? No. Hard on swelling. Oh, hard on, hard on swelling. Great. Hard on swelling. that the other day. I said, that guy, that guy, his, she says, who? I said, they're hard on swelling. <laughs> what? I said, well, his name's Arden Swelling or something. Arden I said, every time I hear it, it sounds like, does, and I said, doll, doesn't it sound like hard on swelling to you? No. <laughs> no, Fred, because I'm not 10. Why don't you call your little friend Howie Glass? Yeah, hard, a hard on swelling and Kyle Bukaki. <laughs> like I don't, I, I, I don't even know the guy. Can, and Ron goes, and now we'll go to Kyle Dukapakis. And I'm like, no, that's. Here's another thing I thought I observed. That, that kid's got a nice little wave going on, eh, on top of his head. That's got. He's got crazy good hair. Yeah, like ridiculous hair. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and and I know, are you a Chris? I can't remember where. Are you, are you a Chris Cuthbert fan? Oh yes, yes. I find him very good. I find he it lives interesting. just down the street. He lives just down the street from me. Almost Isn't that in the nice? same neighborhood. Well, he's obviously done very well for himself if he's living in your neighborhood. <laughs> so the guy he works with is who? Uh, Chris Simpson. Or, uh, Craig Simpson. Simpson. Craig Simpson. Yeah. His sister's Chris Simpson, yeah. So, I, you know what? I always found this interesting over watching hockey. That uh, when they they sometimes will take a, the camera will move go to take a shot of the play by play guys, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know where I think they're supposed to be doing, but I find it fascinating that they're just standing there calling the game like they're not sitting anywhere, they're not in front of a desk, they're they're basically standing next to each other, and then you know the camera will take a shot a live shot of then they'll have a quick conversation, then they'll go back to the play by play. So I find that I mean, f- somewhat. I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know what I think they should be doing. But whenever I see that they're standing there, I find that, oh, they just sort of stand next to each other, you, you know, talking. Mm-hmm. Like two guys having a conversation, except one guy's actually calling the game. Yeah, that's a new thing in sports, it seems. The NFL does that a lot when they go to the booth and the guys are standing there. Yeah. Having the conversation. Yeah, uh, I really like Chris Cuthbert. I mean, he's a long and rich career and play-by-play in this country. You know, he worked for CBC for years and then got dumped. And then he was at TSN for a while, I believe, and then went over to uh, Rogers. Um, big improvement over Jim Hewson. Uh, Yo, that's a guy you weren't too big on. That's yeah, right. not a fan of his. Um, yeah. So to me, it's been a great upgrade. I really enjoy it. One last observation, and I'll let you go. Um, so I know that, obviously... And I'm not saying they're too... They're, they're kind of homers, which is fine. The way they talk about the Leafs. Obviously, they want the Leafs... You know, they're cheering for the Leafs. They're trying to put the Leafs game in a positive spin. Mm-hmm. Although it was tough in the first period. You know, at one point, it was like 12 shots to one. 
<laughs> it was pretty gross. But then I noticed, See, and again, that that's why I didn't watch because I'm in the show me thing. Like it's got it's like prove it to me, show show me. Like I just thought after Sunday night, I thought oh they'll probably just wimp out of this series now. So I wasn't going to put myself through that. So if mm-hmm. I had watched the first period, I would have been disgusted. And when I looked at the score and it was two nothing, and I thought, good, I've saved myself that aggravation. I'm not. Yes, I'm you did talking to my wife. About about Arden about uh, what's his name again? Hard on swelling, hard on swelling. Yes, hard on swelling, <laughs> and his good friend Kyle Bukakifis. Uh, uh, oh, we're we're men in our sixties. I know. Why did I write down? Laugh at that shit. Literally, the first thing I wrote down about the Leafs game is, "Oh, I got to tell Patterson the kid's name is Kyle Bukakifis. He'll love that." <laughs> I'm somebody's parent. It's pretty close. It's Kyle. Um, yeah, Dubakakis. It's close to like Kyle Bukakis. It is. Anyway. Well, that's his name. Yeah. Kyle Bukakis. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm watching the game. And then it's so close to Kyle Bukaki. Yeah, yeah it's too close. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, so I'm taking it all in. And then I noticed the scoreboard, not the scoreboard in the rink, but there's a on the broadcast. They have a score. You know, it shows you the time played shots on goal. And then they have the teams in abbreviation. So they got TB. That's for Tampa Bay. And they have T.O.R. That's for Mm -hmm. Toronto. (laughs) I'm telling you, once you notice this. There were such homers that the font they used for Tampa Bay the TB font is actually a, just a little bit smaller than the font they use for Toronto. Check it out next time. It's a different. It's, it's Homer font. They've got a big T O R and a tiny little TB. And don't tell me it's because they're trying and to. Where, sco- this is where on the broadcast. Well, the the, the running score. The thing. running score on the broadcast. You'll oh. see the font. I've never noticed. Well, that. this is what I'm here for. <laughs> and I thought, that's great. The Leafs organizing the, the broadcast so is cheering for the Leafs. They make the T-O-R font. It's Homer font. That's what that is. Well, I got to look for that. Yes. yes you, you, know what, you know what's too bad? Uh-huh. It's too bad there's not more gambling ads on the broadcast. Yes. We like gambling ads, though. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We really, really like uh-huh. them. The more, the better. But uh, we can't have more. Yeah, we would like more than one. But man, you there's a no. I know it's quite a variety. And the last one I saw had a, a one with Gretzky. Yes, clearly made up because he looked pretty good. The MGM. He yeah yeah. He promotes uh, MGM. But once that floodgate was open, geez. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his head does one too? Uh, mm, Jerry D. Yeah. I think that's bet three sixty five. Yes, it is. You're right. Or something. We'll take their. We you know we take their money. We'll take them all. So that that kid's actual name is Kyle Bukoskis. I know this is terrible, and we've spent five minutes making fun of his name, Kyle Bukoskis. And we wonder why some of these guys won't come on the show. Hey, why don't we have hard on swelling? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) What's his actual name again? Kyle Bukoskis. Boo. Koskis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, man, I had, I grew up with people calling me Howie the Turtle, Howard Glassass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Glassy, whatever, Glasshole. I'm sure Kyle grew up with, uh, you know, being called Bukakis. 
Bukaki. Well, that, 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 I was going to say that too. Whenever I hear Ardon Zvelling, you know, I think, tell me the guys at Sport, Sportsnet aren't fucking around with that name. Like, just tell me. If that comes so easy to an old guy like me, what are they? What are these sharp uh, minds thinking at Sportsnet every time this guy walks into a fucking room? <laughs> That's right. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's just because you and I are immature ass wipes. <laughs> Well, I know, I know. That's why you're my buddy, because I knew as soon as I saw that name, I'm like, I can't wait. Uh, to do to, um, I'm going to get the uh, booster. I'm getting booster juice tomorrow, man. Have you been boosted? You're, are you four times vax now? I'm a four timer, yep. Yeah, my buddy Stinky just got his. I booked mine yesterday. Couldn't have been easier. The portal was simple. I went to COVID-19 Ontario, and then you just, I'm, I'm getting it done at a shopper's. Over here on Brown's line, I just found it. And again, I know we don't have any freedoms left in this country. And I know they're the worst country in the world, etc. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, uh, in, in, you think about the you think about the rollout of this vaccine. I mean, it, say what you want; it's a pretty successful thing that we've all just gone through. I got four, and if there's five, I'll get five. And if there's six, I'll get six. Yeah. It's just simply doing your part. And, you know, they announced yesterday in a lot of the places they're extending the mask mandate. I look at that, and I say, that seems reasonable. That seems logical. Mm-hmm. You go into a hospital, you go on transit, you wear your mask. That's not a lot to ask of the population. You know, people might argue, how much good is it doing? Well, it's better than nothing. And they're just asking you to do that as a gesture of getting on the other side of this thing. And like, uh, I'm sorry, it's what's the big deal? Just 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 do it. Hey, have you done? I I agree. And and, and not even now. I'm not to be to be fair, perfectly honest and fair. I'm not really doing this for anyone else. Now I'm just doing this for myself. I just want to stay. I just want to be the ones that one of the ones that don't get sick. Um. Did you already do the gig sky thing? Uh, yes, I've done the gig sky. Well, then I can just tell everyone that our gig sky guest of the day today is Bob Weeks. And, of course, gig sky uh, with amazing data plans in over 190 countries. And Bob Weeks, for many, many years, I, I've admired him. And uh, lately, I've just decided that I think I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I go, you know had a pretty good gig here done this show for a long time done some tv as well do stand up i've got a nice thing going but if there was one guy <laughs> there i said to fred if there was just one guy's gig for a while i would have loved it's to be the senior reporter and golf analyst for tsn and i don't think about it very often but every year in april i sit there for four days going that guy's got the greatest job a golf nerd like me could ever have. Welcome back to our program, a friend and a, a very, very good reporter and an analyst for uh, many, many years. Please say hi to Bob Weeks. Bobby. Bobby. Hello, Bob. Hello, gents. How are we today? Very good. I'm, just, good. I'm not the only one. All your golf buddies, even guys that aren't in the media, they've got to all be like, Bob, what's it like being on the set of the Masters for four days? It's pretty funny. I was actually, you said that I was walking down, uh, I did a, a fitness class and I was walking home along the street and some guy stopped me and said, hey, you've got the best job in the world. <laughs> no, no <laughs> kidding, man. So yeah. good timing. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, been a pretty good run. Well, when I first met you, you were the editor of Score Golf Magazine. Cool magazine. I always loved it. Great. I always found Score Golf and I wished other pe- golf fans had... 
I don't know, appreciated it. The writing in it was great. The instruction articles were fantastic. Rubenstein was always uh, bang on, one of the writers. And, you know, I got to know Bob a little bit. And, and was it something, like, I think I've asked you this before, but were you a good, were you a, a decent golfer that wanted to be part of golf? Or were you a reporter in sports that wanted, that just sort of fell into some golf? Yeah, I was never a great, I mean, I'm never like a pro golfer by any means. I've sort of, I've been at times a single digit handicap. My handicap now is probably somewhere around 11 or 12. Uh, I was a guy who worked in golf as a summer job and knew a little bit about golf and I loved to write. So I decided, what could I write about? So I sent a few stories into uh, Score Golf magazine. At that time, it was the editor was a guy named John Gordon and kind of right place at right time. But uh, I'm more of a, I'd like to think I'm more of a reporter slash journalist first and then a lover of golf kind of second. Yeah, and then to make the transition, you know, it's one thing to write. It's another thing to stand in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah. it, it, no, it really is. I mean, you know, people tend it's, to be self-conscious, and it's it's a yeah. whole other world. So how did that transition happen? You know, we started a TV show at Score Golf, and they just sort of threw me in the front of the camera. And mm-hmm. then when I moved over, to, I sort of worked with TSN while I was still at Score for many years. And it, you're right, though. It, it was really one of the one of the toughest things to do is when you're a writer, I could write 1,200 words, no problem. Mm-hmm. But when you're on television, you know, you got to cut that down to like 50 words or whatever right. it is. So it's tough to say as much as you want to say in the short space of time. But yeah, I, I learned a good lesson early, and that's trust the cameramen. The cameramen know right. they can help you so much. And yeah. So I've had some good, uh, some good teachers along the way. And, and the key thing is to look comfortable doing it and yeah you know that's a challenge for a lot of people and i can say from having watched bob a lot again every april i spend four days watching bob through my gritted teeth going oh my god but uh i do admire what you do and both freddie and i've done you know enough stuff on camera to know that it's you know it is a bit of a transition especially if you're not you know doing it all the time I, I wanted to ask this of both of you because Fred's, of course, you know, very, very deep in his hockey knowledge, and you're very deep, obviously, in golf. Do you worry sometimes when you're in those live situations, you're doing these live hits, where you might something might come up that you're not really sure of, or you don't have the answer for? Like, I'm, I guess what I'm saying to both of you is, do you feel like you need to know everything, or just you know what you're what you're going to be talking about in that segment? Maybe you could start, Bob. Uh, yeah, there's lots of times where you're doing some something and you, you want to make a reference and you're not 100% sure if that's the right reference. But I did learn kind of early on that if you don't know, just kind of say you don't know. Right. Because somebody out there does know and they're going to call you on it. Thanks to social media. I hear about that every morning. You know, you make a typo or something and you get 40 <laughs> that's true. telling you. <laughs> Or, or old reliable, you quickly change the subject. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, like, exactly. that's but, political I mean, term, political like, tact, isn't it? Fred's yes. never really been. I mean, you, you, you've never really done that stuff live. But still, sometimes when you get into a discussion oh, about yeah. sports, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. do I know this? Mm-hmm. Do I have this reference? But I always find you and and lately our our buddy Duffy and uh, Graham Gillette. Yeah. Um, and I want to get to him and, and, and broadcasting the Masters. But you know who I think has become, well, at least for me, the, not only one of the best golf analysts, but one of the best broadcasters. Well, two guys I love. Uh, we've talked about Rich Lerner. I think he's amazing. But I really think Chambly has come into his own. And I know in the golf world, he's kind of polarizing because a lot of guys don't like him. A lot of American golf fans don't seem to like him uh, for the reason that I do, which I is he's really smart. 
and there's a guy who can reference not only golf swing motion but golf history and everything in between he's uh he's a really fascinating guy and i think a lot of pga tour players don't like him because he'll call them out which is something they're not used to you know golf's a pretty uh law ballish sport i guess i should say in turn when it comes to people critiquing you and i think what brandle has done is made himself one of those guys even if you hate him you still like to watch him Mm -hmm. and and uh, i have the distinct pleasure of being the guy who presented him with his trophy for the only PGA Tour event he ever won. We, it was the Greater Vancouver Open. I was going to say it was Vancouver, on, that's right. broadcasted on TSN, and I happened to be the 18th hole announcer and gave him that. So I remind him about that all the time, and uh, we have a good laugh. But he's, uh, he's a well-researched guy, well-read mm-hmm. guy, and he does know the golf swing. And, and like you said, people, people love him or hate him, but they still watch him. Yeah, you'd like him, Freddie. He's a smart guy who says smart things and in a smart way like he and and he's but he he seems to have a nice i think he's got a good manner about him uh not that he's self-deprecating but he's off he's he, he's very deferential to other people on the set he's not like a super know-it-all um do you uh see your, are you, you're you're kind of our age i was gonna say do you see yourself retiring but you love what you do i'm assuming so what's there to retire from yeah, the only thing would be that I would, I'd like to play a little bit more golf. These last two years in the pandemic, I haven't been traveling very much. Uh, usually I'm about 100 nights, 120 nights or so on the road. So, And sometimes when you're at, you know, this may sound stupid, but sometimes let's say you're at the Masters and you're there for 11 or 12 days or whatever it is, and you get home. And the last thing you want to do is actually go to a golf course again. Right. So mm-hmm. I think if I did retire, I'd probably want to just play a little bit more golf. And uh, But you're right. It's a great gig. I, I have no real plans at this point to, to step away from what I'm doing, but I'm sure the time will come and they'll tap me on the shoulder and say, yeah, time for a younger guy. And, that, and that, that'll be fine. If it ended tomorrow, I mean, like you said, I've had a great run, and it's been uh, it's been a great job. Yeah, it's great when you get that point uh, to that point in your life, right? Where if those decisions are made, it's more like, hey, you know, I've got a lot to be thankful for, as opposed to I'm bitter because this has happened. It is a good position to be in. I think we're in that position, Howard. Well, you more than me, um, you know, because I made a, I made an investment a few years back, uh, Bob. It didn't work out well for me. It's called, it was by, I, I bought this stock called Divorce. <laughs> and he was listed on uh, one of the. I was, I was, I was told by my counselor, "You should buy this stock," and it was a terrible investment. You know what? You know what, Howard? I invested in that stock twice. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> hey, wow. Bob, there was there was a bit of a controversy there uh, at TSN during the Masters. Uh, Jeff O'Neill had given uh, James Duthie instructions to get him a bucket hat, and apparently he didn't spend enough time getting the hat that jeff wanted and this became an ongoing thing were you part of that at all or did you did you hear about this it was it was really quite comical i kind of got dragged into it um yeah i don't know if i can't remember if you've been to the to the masters or or not but it was but it's it's a fred it's it's an amazing place and the the souvenir building it's like a costco size building yeah uh, when we walked in there this year, boy, if you didn't have COVID, you were going to get it in there because it was just like it was just <laughs> well, like. It, a but it was elevator. but it was Masters logoed COVID, so it was very yeah, sweet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we went to get these uh, the first time we went in to try and get the uh, the hats. We just sort of said, okay, well, this is crazy. We'll come back and get it. And it turns out those bucket hats were the hot seller. And every oh. year there seems to be something that's a hot seller. So when we did go back on Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember what it was, they were gone. And uh, and right there, Duffy said, "Oh man, I'm in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> right. 
available. So, and somebody somehow got one and and ended up sending it to him. But but yeah, O Dog wasn't happy. He didn't like the uh, he didn't like the replacement, which was just no. like a ball cap, like I'm wearing right now. But That's no, right. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Well, I was a good. I was a good golfer, by the way. He's a really good player. No, I, I've yeah. told Howard. Like we're talking like scratch, right? Like yeah, uh, one or two. Yeah. He's played in the. He's, I, I, he belongs to the club where I am at Weston, and he's played in the final of the club championship before. So mm-hmm. I love that. I, well, you know, it's funny. I've been playing your golf course for years. Uh, I've played in the Willie Park probably ten. Maybe wow. more, 15 times. Uh, I played in, the, just recently started playing in the senior division of it. But uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic, I, it's one of my favorite golf courses in the city that not everyone knows about. Uh, but let's talk about something else. I put out on Twitter last night, I said, oh, I'm really looking forward to catching up with Bob Weeks talking some golf. Um, I said, my first question is going to be about covering the Masters, and I don't, you know, then then the next sort of 13 will be about golf. But somebody said, and I'll tell you who that person is in a second, says, hey, why don't you ask uh, Weeks about Jim Rutledge's thighs? <laughs> yeah, the aforementioned John Gordon. John Gordon! <laughs> who hired me as score golf, and he gave me my first cover story, was to said, why don't you write a story about Jim Rutledge? So I said, okay. And I guess somehow I worded a sentence where it was like talking about Jim Rutledge's massive thighs walking up. It didn't come out very well. I was a pretty green writer at that point. And he's never let me forget that one. (laughs) Well, it's so funny. It came up. He says, yeah, ask Weeksy about Rutledge's thighs. Here's a little trivia for you. When I was 15, I made the uh, Saskatchewan junior golf team and uh, we got to go play against all the other provinces of and i was on this team there was the 16 year olds and the 15 year olds and i was one of the 15 year olds went to vancouver also my first time on an airplane and uh, i played in this competition and jim rutledge was one of the guys like the top guys when i was a kid and it's funny i just remember him saying it was so much better than me it was ridiculous i should it was like another world but he was one of those guys i always watched his career there's a lot of canadians that have had success on tours around the world but never quite had like super like like the kind of success like I, even a cory connors is having but jim rutledge was a very fine player around you know and played internationally and he was he was a guy who played a lot on the European tour. He would play on the Asian tour, made himself a decent living, but didn't get the recognition factor that a lot did. And every year he would go in the fall to do what they used to have, the old qualifying school yeah. for the PGA Tour. And every year he would fall short. I think he went 18 times and he finally got on. Yeah, he got on uh, late in his career. He was like 48 yeah. or something and, uh, and had a little run on the Champions Tour as well. And uh, now he's living out in Victoria and... Uh, and was able to make a nice living. So he's like us. He's he's packed it in. And he's playing golf from playing golf. Wow. Um, I told Fred that we were going to have a have to have a discussion about something that is going to be it's going to transcend just the sport of golf in terms of sporting news. It's been bubbling under for a few months, and it's kind of like when the WHA came in and began a splinter league a different league ultimately it changed the way the nhl operated but maybe for and if you can make this for non-golf fans just give us some context about what's about to happen with the saudi sponsored league run by greg norman so there's i know that's a lot i gave you i gave you a lot to (laughs) yeah but i'll help you through it i'll try to make this as simple as i can but essentially uh, Greg Norman is heading up something called Live Golf. And for those who don't know what Live is, L-I-V is 50, 
four, I think, in, in Latin. So it's like a, a score, the, you know, perfect score if you birdied all 18 holes. Anyway, right. they've started up a league that's been backed by the Saudis to the tune of billions of dollars, and they want to create a rival league. It started off as they wanted to join with the PGA Tour, but they wanted to have this rival league, totally new way of presenting a tournament, three rounds, 54 holes, and uh, everything would be a shotgun start, only 48 players and massive amounts of money, $25 million at each tournament. And there would also be a team element of it, as well as an individual element. And so they were throwing around a lot of money trying to attract players to come to this league. And it became apparent that the PGA Tour wasn't going to go without a fight. So now there is a battle between the two leagues. Uh, There was actually some breaking news last night because the Saudi-backed league, the Greg Norman League, let's call it, is going to start in June, same week as the Canadian Open in England. And a lot of PGA Tour players asked for a release. They must get a release to play in that. And the PGA, turned them, PGA Tour turned them down. So um, I'm trying to make it simple, but it's no, not it's like, don't, like, it simple. Honestly, don't, don't rush through it because, like I said, even if you're not a golf fan, you're about to hear this. It's going to be in the news. And I wanted you to put it in some context because when it starts in a couple of weeks and the Canadian Open is going to be on the PGA Tour and there's this tournament that's going to be played for this sort of historical event. And I just wanted to talk about... First of all, there's it's going to go to it's like everything else in America. It's going to go. There's lawsuits already started. Right. Basically, the problem is, Fred, that the PGA Tour runs itself like a, um, a, a sort of a club, and the, the the players themselves are they're they're supposed to be independent contractors. It would be like if everyone on the Leafs just played for themselves, and the team. Um, Sometimes they do. Well, yeah, obviously. But the team would, <laughs> but they don't play for the team. They're just contracted players that have the ability to play other places. But I think the PGA Tour is going to run into years of litigation over this, Bob. This is this is going to end up in the courts. And yeah. um, the first tournament, we'll see what happens. There's still uh, there's still a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But essentially, a number of the top players have signed deals to go and play on this tour. Um, and we're talking big deals. Uh, right. Phil Mickelson is perhaps the best known right now that we assume we can't, he hasn't come out and said he was, but was paid apparently $30 million to go and play in this league. There's only going to be eight tournaments this year. They're going to gradually ramp it up over the next couple of years. And for a number of, you know, it's a, it's a decision you have to make based on more than just money. Cause there's also the morals of where this money is coming from. And if you are a player, let's say you're sort of a fringe player or you're a player who's later in his career and someone comes to you and says, hey, you play this tournament and, you know, you you have a really good chance to win $800,000, $700,000, a million dollars, because that's the way the prize distribution is. There's only 48 Uh players. You might say, yeah, you know what? I think uh, maybe I should go over and play in that league. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be it's going to be a lot like the WHA, just like you said, Howard. It's, it's sort of like Bobby Hull going over to sign with yes. Winnipeg Jets, right? And I think you're going to see some players who um, have been regular stalwarts on the PGA Tour go over and play in this new league. Well, from what I understand, uh, Mickelson needs that money to cover his gambling debts. Does yeah. he? Does he not? Like that? That's I read that story too. That's staggering. There's, yeah, there's a book coming out next week that's been written, an unauthorized biography that claims that uh, Phil lost $40 million over a four-year period, uh, sports gambling. And there's apparently a lot more in that book that's that's going to come out and uh, that's really not paint a good picture of Phil. 
That's almost what you lost with those water filters, right? Huh? <laughs> That's a funny. I was wondering where you were going to go. What what scheme are you going to pull out? I, I, I mean, I know this. Listen, I, I I don't know why I've been apologizing since the start of the show because I'm part of the show, too. So today I want to talk about this. This thing is going to reconfigure this PGA Tour in a way that we may not. I, I think it's going to like like a lot, this word that marketers use. It's going to disrupt things. How that ends up, Bob? Who knows? But I, I think the the when I I sort of make this face whenever I hear people talk about well you know the questionable Saudi regime and where their money comes from. But we're not saying that all of us. But the, there's lots of people, Americans, that are complicit. And do business with the Saudis when it suits them. So that argument, that doesn't hold up. And that's one of the things when I see Chambly, that's his opinion that, you know, you shouldn't be playing for dirty money. And the pushback's always, well, you know, let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. There's lots of dirty money in America. But I think more legacy wise, um, I think it's going to hurt Phil Mickelson. I think it's going to hurt his place in the history of the game. I think that's going to. I think that's part of what it is going to do for a lot of these guys. We're still waiting to see if Phil is going to play next week in the PGA Championship, where he Which is he's the defending champion, defending champion, and, and arguably had you know, one of the greatest wins. You know, a fifty-year-old guy winning a major championship, and now everyone's sitting around. First of all, we don't even know where he is. He's sort of gone into hiding, and uh, and we're not sure if he's going to play. So I think uh, you're right that the legacy that Phil has created will probably uh, oh, dry oh. up a little. But why, fellas? Why? Well, it's the same way with the WHA. Okay, so you go to your WHA, and in your all in Bobby Hull's all time stats right. list. Um, I'm trying to make this as uh, it's not the same, but it's sort of similar. So you've mm-hmm. got Hull's NHL career goals, and then you've got his goals in the WHA. Oh, so you mean from that standpoint? From that, from the point of but view, not of, necessarily image. Or uh, well, this is not doing great stuff for Phil's image okay. for sure. But because, you know, he spent most of his life on the PGA Tour, he won PGA Tour tournaments and majors, and uh-huh. it's and then all of a sudden now, so are these tournaments going to be part of his legacy? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's uh-huh. hard to... One of the reasons a lot of guys don't want anything to do with his tour is because they want their legacy. Rory McIlroy wants to be compared to Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods, not a bunch of guys on a secondary tour. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I... It's it's interesting. You guys make those comparisons, but again, at the end of the day, as Bob said at the beginning, when somebody's dangling that kind of money, that oh, yeah. you can't that you you know really is not possible to make on the PGA tour. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, it gets back to that whole thing. What if you were in that position? What would you do? It's easy to you know to comment on what somebody else is going to do, but I I I mean, I see it. I mean, I think going back to the beginning, what Howard said is, is, is true as well. This thing is going to end up in the courts. The lawyers mm-hmm. are going to get rich, and we'll see what happens. But I think, I think you're right. I think this is going to pressure the PGA Tour to change a little bit about the way it operates, the product mm-hmm. it produces. Um, there's a lot of good things that this league has thought of that I think the PGA Tour will end up bringing in to, a, to, um, to their operation. And perhaps we'll see down the road they'll join up just like the WHA did. So, Bob, give us, uh, okay, just in our last couple of minutes, if I'm going to let you go here, who, give me some names beside Mickelson and, and give me your sort of final thoughts on where you think these players are going to shake out. Well, the guys that keep getting mentioned, uh, Sergio Garcia, yeah. uh, Martin Keimer, Lee Westwood, um, 
There's not a ton of guys in the U.S., but there will be some names. Bubba mm-hmm. Watson is the name. Now, I don't have any information confirming all these guys, but I think these are the names that you keep continuously hearing. There's a guy named Jason Kokrak, yep. who's a PGA Tour player, a pretty good player. So those are the guys you'll probably see over there. It's just going to be a question in the next couple of weeks. Kevin Nas, Kevin Nas, number, Kevin Nas, yeah, number Kevin guy. Nas, exactly. So it's not exactly the top of the world rankings, but it is notable names. And I think it's a start for these guys. Yeah. Um, we'll see where they go. But I think, I think more than anything, we're going to see this fight out in the courts and, uh, and we'll see, uh, we'll see where it ends up. It's like the WHA started. Yeah, they gave Hull a million dollars for five years. It was huge money back in the mid-70s, early 70s. But they also gave a bunch of other guys money. And I think eventually some of the guys in the NHL said, wait a second. I'm mm-hmm. better than that second line yeah. guy. Right. I, I want to get that money. And that's what's going to happen. Because the first couple of tournaments will go and they'll, they'll find out that Robert Garrigus, some journeyman, made $3 million. And guys are going to go, I kick his ass. Like three ways from Sunday. This this live golf league is not going to run out of money. No, I'll tell you that. And, and you know, times change and things evolve. Like golf and the world's a smaller place. They should probably embrace it and make yeah. it work as opposed to go to the courts. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know how it would come together except that you know, as a golf fan. I want to see the best players in intense competition more often, even though like I watch golf. Fred knows I watch basically one afternoon a week. I watch golf Sunday afternoon. I know between three and six, there's going to be an outcome. And in golf, it's pretty exciting. You know, last week was great. The lead changed hands three times in the last nine holes. But, you know, really, that's me and I'm a super fan. But I'm way more interested when this weekend when Scheffler and some of the big names are back and Spieth is playing and it just makes it better. And this league is going to have eventually, hopefully, guys like that playing all the time. Right. 48 of them, smaller field. You know, there's a lot of guys that are are great guys and great golfers. But do they draw people to the TVs? Do they draw people to sell tickets? Probably not. So. Um, one other question. You guys said the, 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 if I'm correct, the first tournament is the same weekend as the Canadian Open? Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah, yes. in, in England, yeah. That's a, how much of a hit is that for the Canadian Open? And what's with this tournament? It deserves better, does it not? Yes. It, it does. And uh, the, the Canadian Open's got a really good field this year. I don't think there's a lot of guys who will play in that tournament uh, in England who would have been in the field. Like, Phil hasn't mm-hmm. played the Canadian Open since 2004. Okay. Uh, so he wasn't going to come anyway. And they've got, they've got I think, six of the top 20 in the world. They've got Scotty Scheffler, who's number one. Rory's coming back to defend. It's at a great golf course down the road here at St. George's yeah. Golf and Country Club. So okay. um, I, think, I think the RBC Canadian Open will be, will be, will be just fine. Yeah, I, I was going to – it's funny because I love St. George's, and I played Glen Abbey on – Friday and it was just it was it was so cold and windy and brutal and just crap and and I thought of my and I thought it's interesting that because this has been the home of the Canadian Open for so long but St George's Hamilton when they move it around a little bit for me it just makes it more interesting and I think in a weird way correct me if I'm wrong I don't know that tour players necessarily love Glen Abbey not because it's not a great golf course because it's one of the toughest on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and they've you know they've been there every year, and I think it doesn't reflect when it's a national open. I know it doesn't go outside of Ontario, but you should have it on sort of historical courses. Yes, and I think I think you get to the players enjoy playing places like St. George's and Hamilton and Oakdale. They're going to play next year. Um, those are those are sites they don't get to play very often. Those are the kind of courses they that don't come into the rotation. But uh, it's going to be a good week. It's going to it's a I tell you it's a real 
a real job trying to put the thing together. Going to close Islington Avenue and yeah. um, do all that, but uh, but it's going to be a good week. When the Canadian Open is at Glen Abbey or has been, do they always do they leave that big fan up? Is it on the eleventh hole or yes. something? I've always yeah yeah. They do, or do they take I, that they do. down? Because no, I always yeah. thought that was odd for a golf yeah. course. I've never yeah. seen it like. That. Yeah, no, they do. It's actually just because that green. Otherwise, yeah. uh, it just sits in that low part right in the, the grass. There's no grow. circulation. Yeah, heated. Uh, we got I've got a couple of those at my course at Weston. So there's a few of them around the places. But you're right, it is a bit of an eyesore. No, I'm, and it's weird. It's funny because the guys I was playing with, a couple of them. You know, from out east, and that they, I, they said, first of all, you never get to play the real green because it's always, you know, they, they save it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that fan is still there. In fact, there's another one I think somewhere else on the back nine. Uh, he is Bob Weeks. That's the job you want to have. Uh, also co-host of Golf Talk Canada on TV and radio. Regularly writes for TSN.ca and Frederick. He is a member of both the Canadian and Ontario Golf Halls of Fame. Wow. Has, rele- has received lifetime achievement honors from Golf Canada, the PGA of Canada, and the Golf Journalism Association of Canada. Well, oh look, at, look at you. My you know, you talk, you, you, you talk about legacy. It's pretty cool to be in Halls of Fame, right? Yeah. Your, it is your name, yeah, your yeah. face, whatever, will be there forever. It's scary. I, 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 I will forever be known as being the guy with the highest handicap in the Canadian golf. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, man, I, we have so much time for you. And, and we love the fact that you'll come on the show every once in a while. You know, I get all geeky when you're here. And, and maybe one day we'll get to play golf together. Because even, even though I'm not in the Hall of Fame, you know, my, my name's on the wall of a golf course somewhere that you've played before. Yeah. And I'm, it's hard Champion. To, I'd love to have that term. It's funny because every every time buddies of mine go and play that old course I used to be at, they always take a picture of themselves with my name on the wall. And they're like, look. I'm. <laughs> That's great. Anyways, anyway, dude. always good to talk to you, boys. You're lots of fun. and uh, Well, I we really can. Weeksy. Can I call you Weeksy now? Weeksy. You can. All right, Weeksy. Take care, brother. Take And uh, right. we'll, next time, uh, maybe next year, because we've had Duffy on all the time. It would be good to get you on maybe just before the Masters. And you, sure. know, you can set That's it up good. for us. This is Bob Weeks, everybody. Thanks, okay. Bob. My name's on the wall of a bathroom. Uh, Yes, down here. (laughs) Down down in this bathroom. Oh, God. I, uh, yeah, he's got a gig, man. That's a good gig to have. Although, I like what he said, too, you know. I can, I, I get it. You know, you spend all that time on the road covering golf. The last thing you want to do when you go home is go to another golf course, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess. Yeah, that, that may that may not apply to everyone. No, it wouldn't apply to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had an interesting. Uh, I'm just. We're waiting for Tim Niblett. There's a guy that loves the game of golf. Um, here's a couple quick tidbits. You know, in April, April 25th to May 1st of this year, there was 459,412,000 flights. Um. I think in Canada, in that one week, which is up 17 times mm-hmm. year over year. 17 times. Uh, I, what I, the reason I mention it, too, is just in terms of the idea of people mm-hmm. just being that much more comfortable with the whole process of flying and going places. Which, of course, is why the, the gig sky, gig sky, the gig sky uh, is so much more important now. Mm-hmm. I know we've already talked about it. Um, 
We got the we got the retirement Sherpa just checking in here. Let's get him comfortable. There, you know, he deserve he he should be in a Hall of Fame. He is in a Hall of Fame. He's in the Raymond James Hall of Fame. He's in the oh, is he every year. Yes, every year uh, at the at convention. I would have gone to that dinner. Yeah, every year at the convention, the Raymond James convention, they they only have a few awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Tim always gets Mr. Congeniality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the coolest shirts. I won that as well. <laughs> he always gets the uh, all the, hey, he's the nicest Tim Nibble. Let me get your music here in a second. How's your mic sound? Your mic sounds great today, actually. Are we doing okay? I did yeah, double no, uh, check. I got no. the computer running in time this time. I think we're all good. Dude, it's all warmed up. All right. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Jimmy, how are you acclimatizing? Good? Oh, I'm doing fine. I mean, this is home, right? I had a super busy day running all around, and it ended up at uh, Scotiabank Arena, as you may or may not know. What? Yeah, he was, was there. The game. You went to yeah. the game? Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. I don't know if you were listening earlier, Tim, but uh, of the two of us, Fred or I, uh, who would you have thought most likely to watch the whole game? And it turned out it wasn't Fred. <laughs> Dude. I know the answer to that. Um, and, and after the first period, I was wondering if uh, <laughs> spending all the money on the two tickets and really looking forward to it and bringing a good buddy was a good idea. Hey, hey Tim, what was the atmosphere like in that? Because, you know, you know the stories about Toronto and arenas and how the, the crowds aren't necessarily very good. What was it like when they fell down 2 nothing? It must have been pretty quiet in there last night. Well, it was certainly no Florida Gators football game, Fred, of right. course, right? But, you know. um, well, yeah, the energy was really great throughout, but understandably it was a little lower uh, after mm-hmm. a couple of quick goals and a couple of dumb penalties. And, yeah, I know Howard was running off the numbers. I mean, I think it was like 18-4 to four in shots. No, I was – by the yeah. – by, by the, by, here's what I did. I, I noted because, I, you know, I started watching that scoreboard with the extra big Toronto font. And right. uh, <laughs> and I started seeing, like, Tampa Bay 8-1, Tampa Bay 12-1. At some point, mm-hmm. with five left in the first period, it was 14-2 or something. But what I was going to ask you about the atmosphere too, Tim – it, 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 that the moment that Campbell stopped that third goal, it should have been three nothing. It's funny; it, you could see all the team got a bit of a lift, but it's almost like the crowd got into it just a little bit, just enough to make it seem like all wasn't lost. Because there was a moment or two there, midway through that period, you, I was just said to Freddie, "I'm like, I got to find something else to watch tonight." Now, <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't one of the three stars after the game because. Uh, to hold it off for one goal with all those shots for the last, what were we at, 40, 53 minutes of the game, I think, yeah. or something, right? So, uh, that, yeah, that was uh, that was absolutely amazing. But the crowd was rocking, of course, and uh, it was electric. And the, the thing that frustrated me in the first period, and we've heard it before, but these guys can be gods for the rest of their lives in Toronto mm-hmm. with a couple of series wins along the way. How do you come out that flat? I, I, know. I know the other team's good. Sports sports fans kind of forget there's another team uh, they're playing. And yeah, they're in really this case, good. an awesome team. But, yeah, I just couldn't under... I, I mean, we're talking lifetime legacy. And, and maybe mm. that comeback will uh, help them create one. Well, that's what I said to Howard. That's the uh, my encouraging takeaway. Because what they did in that game was sort of uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. 
to show that guts and grit and determination. No, and I and I agree. Like, how do you come out that flat? And I know there's another team, but to show no fight, that's the that's the, like it's one thing to be in a game and lose. That's a completely different story. It's another thing to lose because you weren't in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that's absolutely, and that's exactly how it looked. But Tim, so whether it was the save or they just finally woke up, but that's one. I one of the first things I said to Freddie when we started uh, the show this morning was about like when did you start watching it because. What I wrote down after the second period is too bad the second period wasn't the first because then it would have been over so quickly. That was so different. You almost never see that where a team comes out and they're completely different. Whatever was said in between periods had an impact because they were not just the better team. They were so much better for the last 20 minutes or last 40 minutes. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you hear over the years about the bulletin board material and, you, you know, apparently Spets, I think it was, had a little uh, talking to with the boys mm-hmm. after the first period. Um, I, I get it, but I played sports all my life, certainly at a different level. But do you really need that to kind of get motivated in a circumstance yeah, like I don't that? Know. And, and, and just, you talk, you know, you talk about legacy and. Do you really want to go through what you've been through the past three years? Do you really want to do that again? Do you want to revisit that? So is that not on your mind when you step out there and just watch the game instead of play the game? Anyway, we'll see. Tomorrow night's a big night. And again, as I said, Tim, uh, the only way they can lose this is at home in front of their own crowd. So it's all in their uh, breadbasket. Well, just on, on your note there, do they really want to go through that again? I'm golfing this afternoon, so I guess I can, uh... <laughs> That's right. We have uh, sports people that love sports. We have short memories for the, uh, the chaos. Uh, Tim is, uh, of course, a portfolio manager with Raymond James. And Tim recently, again, voted for the 30th year in a row, Mr. Congeniality at the Raymond James Convention. And uh, one of the things that uh, you came away with, I came away from was uh, an experience of a guy named Sean Accor. Is it Accor or Achor? I'm not certain, but I, I go with Accor. That okay. sounds good to me. So uh, in your notes to us, usually Tim sends us a couple of things about what he'd like to talk about. And today, uh, having seen this guy, really interesting characters on a bunch of TED Talks. His uh, last TED Talks had over 6 million views and was the guest speaker, I guess, at your conference. And uh, I have watched. I've actually watched it a couple times. First time I watched it because I thought, oh, well, he's going to be in case I'm asked any questions. And then I rewatched it this morning because I think there's lots of value in it. Um, and what I might do at the end of this is I will uh, post this video on our Facebook page. And you might uh, maybe explain why you sent it to us and what you got out of uh, listening to him speak. Yeah, thanks. It's very exciting. You know, uh, a few years ago on the show, I talked about, excuse me, uh, Dr. Laurie Santos, who's out of um, Yale. Sean's out of Harvard. He says, like, he's a good buddy, Sean. Um, And and she has a podcast called Happiness Lab, which is good. Uh, But I found Sean's stuff a little more relevant. The theme of our meeting was uh, connections. So, of course, that made kind of a lot of sense with what he he talks about and you know i've led with the first point here he's got tons of info and i mm-hmm. I've, I've watched a little bit of uh, an hour-long talk he had at google with chad 
Padmang Ten. I'm not sure if I'm getting the name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their top uh, people, and then a group of, of employees there. But but one of his main theories is happiness and success. We've got it backwards. And they've got lots of proof of this. They've got lots of uh, studies and and all that they've done. We always think we'll be happy when, right? Like when mm-hmm. we shoot yes. 79, when the Leafs win, when mm-hmm. we get that promotion. But if we look back at our life, you know, usually when we get there, we're just kind of looking for the next thing. That's how society works. Isn't that the biggest curse for mankind, though? Not living in the moment. And, you know, there's books on it and we're told and on and on and on. But that's true. We're always it's always what's going to happen, as you say, or when I achieve this, then I will be happy. When I have this, I will be happy. Yeah, it's weird. And in the talk, I, 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 by the way, I've just posted mm-hmm. to Facebook. Uh, this will be good for everyone. To, if you're not, don't look at it now. Listen to the shirts. But later on, have a look at this video. And, and he talks a lot about how the, some of the studies they've done, you know, about you know, the average person versus, you know, the, the outliers. And what he said is a lot of, a lot of society is built on making everyone the average as opposed to bringing the average of everyone up. And I, and I thought that was kind of interesting, too, how we and he talked a lot about how, you know, if you're only ever exposed to negative news, you think all the news is negative when that's only a small portion of the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a saying in broadcasting, if it bleeds, it leads. That's why news starts mm-hmm. with all the bad news first, because it gets it does something mm-hmm. to you. And you think what yes. it does is you think, well, I better watch the rest of this. What if there's more bad stuff happening? Mm-hmm. But his point is, you know, well, we, we, we are unhappy sometimes because of the information we choose to give weight to or or the people we choose to hang around with right i mean we did that little seven second experiment i won't describe it more so you can enjoy it on the video but uh yeah it's and i've always intuitively known this and I'm, i'm sure many people do you know we don't eat food we don't like we don't have a drink we don't like why do we hang around with people whose energy doesn't kind of mm-hmm. energize us, mm-hmm. right? You know, we, we all know there's different people in our lives that we, we vibrate a lot better with, that, that we feel better. And, and, and there, again, studies, surveys, whatever the right terminology is, experiments uh, that show that wirelessly emotions transfer from person to person. Mm-hmm. And you put here, I mean, you can have everything and have nothing. And there's so many examples of that where we find ourselves looking at people who we perceive have everything, usually money, Mm -hmm. and seem to be miserable or unhappy or take their own life or yeah it's quite the phenomenon you also put here two minutes a day what does that mean sure so the have everything nothing uh, i think i borrowed that from uh, the buddha you know from my buddhist teachings uh, there mm-hmm. yeah but um it, it's so true and, it, and his example was when small town kid from waco texas first goes to harvard you know these are all privileged people lots of money at a very prestigious school and most of them were unhappy and many of them had depression and and also, uh, and of course, we, we all know people, hopefully, that, that don't have that lifestyle, but are super appreciative of things. So the two minutes a day part, I mean, what, what can you do specifically to, to make this happen? And it can be as little as that. One of his examples was 
just every day, start your day off sending a little gratitude email to somebody that you know, somebody you like, somebody you admire, and, and that just sends those positive ripples into the pond for you and for everybody else. Well, and then you've got an idea here for me and Howard. Start a happiness group. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't want to tell you. I already started one, but no one wanted to oh. join ours. <laughs> or, or you didn't want to tell me. No, no, I did. I said, hey, Humble and Fred are starting a happiness group. Just nothing but crickets. But, you know, it, I, I, a lot of what, again, I, I watched it on your recommend, and I rewatched it this morning, so I'd have some references. But he talks a lot about... Um, a few of the things we talk about on in the world of golf psychology, and, and one of that is to be gra- gra- to feel gratitude for the experience where you don't get so wrapped up in the results, which can make you miserable. And being miserable as a golfer seems counterintuitive because you're out there in this world and you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. But as Tim and I, and you know, Fred, there are moments when it's very frustrating. But I, I, I know a, a guy whose whole thing is about you can mitigate frustration in golf and in life if you remember that most of what you have is okay. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, and what, what yes. uh, this fellow says, it was Sean Acker guy says is gratitude, journaling about some at least one thing you're happy about, mm-hmm. uh, taking time to meditate, which is, you know, right. sort of table stakes for people nowadays with the stress we've all had the last couple of years. Just really simple stuff. That, as he says, in 21 days, you can rewire your brain. And if I may add to that, because I've been putting it in practice, and I understand this, it's just, you know, the world, we have too much information now. I think it's a job to not take in too much. Because you can't, there's nothing you can do about 99% of it. So why let that clutter your mind? Yes. I mean, too much information can just, like, obsess you and take your mind to the wrong places and... I get it. I get it. You just, you know, it, it takes discipline. It really does in these times. It takes discipline to get on, to, you know, to fix your head. It really well, does. Well, you know, they say the old apple a day part, right? The adage for that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'd suggest that mentally you want to have an apple or, or two every day as right. well, whether it's watching a, a, an interesting, valuable email, reading a book, uh, or sorry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, video, whatever. But yeah, the, the, if we can spend that two to five minutes a day just working on our mental input um, mm-hmm. ourselves, and Sean would say, uh, "There's a proof in the pudding." All those around us will benefit benefit mm-hmm. from it as well. Yeah. yeah, you know, the thing about too about being, as you say, uh, you mentioned earlier in this talk about being around people. And in situations that are negative, you know, uh, somebody said to me recently, it's really true. You can't pull up somebody else's socks. You're really only responsible for pulling up your own. So, you know, if you're in a toxic relationship, you're in a job that's not working for you or you're doing something in your life, you know, I don't know, whatever it is that, you know, in my case, as you both know, like I made a, I knew that things weren't working for me when it came to alcohol. So I stopped it. And yeah, it took some discipline. But ultimately, it was the best thing for me. And I think a lot of people, as you, you know, what Fred did, he's removed himself from social media. That takes discipline. Mm-hmm. But you're ultimately happier for it. I think that sometimes instinctively, and Sean kind of makes this point, we, in, we know as human beings what we sometimes should be doing, but we don't always have the discipline to do it, which is why you need a guy. Like the retirement Sherpa. See, I'm going to make a super segue here and bring it super back segue. to super, super segue. segue. You need a guy like the retirement Sherpa to give you the guidance and discipline to make the right choices to improve your financial life. 
Why are you yeah. yelling at him? I don't know. I just got excited at that sentence was ending. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what you did there. That was pretty impressive. Thanks, pal. Maybe you can, you know what, you can tell me how much you enjoyed that when we have lunch tomorrow. Absolutely. And, you know, I am in a Hall of Fame uh, already, the North Oakville Men's Touch Football Association Ooh. Hall of Fame, which, you know, I'm wow. very proud of. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, Fred and I are in the Men's Touch Your Own Ball uh, Hall of Fame. That's amazing. <laughs> I was, I was a finalist for that, but I, that must have been the year you guys I, I thought you were going to say you were in the Foot Locker Hall of Fame. You should be. I, I should be that, for sure. All I'll right. tell you, all the things I've loved to do over my life, touch football might be right near, if not at, the top of the list. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun afternoon. That. Yes, sir. It was a blast, that's for sure. Certainly enjoyed it. Met lots of great people, yeah. and I'll meet lots of great people at Glenn Karen during our shotgun start this afternoon. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, I'm going to see you this afternoon during Ladies' Day, and then, of course, uh, Nibs and I are having a pretty high-level lunch tomorrow. Some pretty high-level shit happening. You know, we can't talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. Tim.Niblet at Raymond you, James. Thanks. Tim.Niblet at Raymond James. CA. All right. Yeah, my pleasure. Great seeing you guys. Good morning, Dan. Have an awesome day, all. All right. All right. Thanks, Timmy. There's Tim Niblet. What a nice man he is. I've sort of let this get away from me. Um, again, I have to be probably over at the hospital to have my pus boil. Yeah, well, go. Volcano. Just go. Oh, I'm no, going to no, wrap no. things up here with Dan. i got to get going, too. I have another show to record. I yeah, well, it's but, nine. I got a couple of minutes, well, and the thing is... When's pus you know, time? Are you leaving me for a pus? Well, I, they, the appointment's 10.30. They want me there at 9.45. Oh, let's like, get out of here, then. Okay, in a couple of minutes. Sure. Let's do I'm Dan good. Duran, and then we'll go. Mm-hmm. I'll do one story. I've yeah, do one, one story. story. And you, but do you've done everything you need to do. You're all caught up. No, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I'm. We're quite behind. All oh, right. Well, let's do that. Another thing. Let's do that. Let's do a little bit of that. Um, I'll do one as well, and then uh, we'll be uh, we'll be finished. Okay. Um, we've told you about Bow Dog and how much fun it can be to wager on professional sports. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, poker, or casino player, Bow Dog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment they've been doing it for well decades since 1994 and let's just have a look right here now at tomorrow night's game between your toronto maple leafs and your tampa bay lightning oh yes as you might expect the lightning favored okay it'll cost you 120 bucks to win 100 although if you bet the maple leafs it's even once again the over under 6.5 but you can understand that Amelie Arena, you know, crucial game six and the Lightning slight favorite. Okay, that according right. to Bodoc. And now are you uh, completely uh, done? No, I can also tell you about the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Okay, why don't you hold that? Hold that for a second here. Let's get Dan Duran started. And then in between, because uh, have, we have a title sponsor for Dan Duran, and then we'll get to uh, the chamber plan. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Ho! 
My voice is nice and low. Dandoran's news today brought to you by Health Gauge, healthgauge.com. Go get the watch and watch your health improve. Are you looking to keep track of some vital signs that are vital to your wellness? Well, my friends, healthgauge.com is where you go. Humble Fred HG is the promo code. Get you 15% off the Phoenix. That's what I'm wearing. That's what he's wearing. The healthgauge.com people want you to be part of a revolution, not just keeping track of your steps, but keeping track of the things and steps in your life that can make it all feel better 24 hours a day. How did you sleep? Find out on the watch. How many calories you're burning? It's on the watch. But what is your blood pressure? It's also there too. Healthgauge.com and the promo code HumbleFreightHG. Now, Dandoran. Well, I have three stories. I can have this multiple choice here. Which one would you like to hear? Buying someone, uh, burying someone you murdered can kill you. Apple buries the iPod or a non-pilot doesn't die landing a plane. Non-pilot, please. <laughs> I thought that may be it. I choose guys with funny names. Oh, that was earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a fourth? I choose what's up with Fred's pussy leg. Okay, pilots okay. who... So what's this? I love this. A, a non-pilot landed... Right. In, what kind and where? There was a guy who was uh, flying in a plane, some sort of Cessna with uh, 14 seats in it, uh, and he uh, all of a sudden he was incapacitated, couldn't fly. So uh, the passenger stepped in and uh, radioed the tower. This is in this happened yesterday. And it's in uh, Palm Beach. So there was a medical emergency. The pilot uh, uh, can't fly. So the the uh, passenger calls into the tower and I guess connects with a uh, an uh, air traffic controller who's also a flight instructor. And they managed to uh, communicate back and forth. The first thing was, well, where are you? <laughs> and the passenger says, I have no idea. <laughs> So they figured out where he was. They kept wow. him straight and level. And uh, eventually they lined him up with the uh, w- – and it was a, a, a really great landing as well. He's never done anything like this. And uh, he uh, he is alive this day, and they've taken pictures together, the air traffic controller. You know, it's just like uh, what Airport 76 with Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking at it now, and when Dan says it's a Cessna. So most people think of Cessnas as those little planes you see flying around you know sort of four seaters they're called high wing airplanes but this Cessna that the passenger took over is a uh, it's called a caravan and it's a big boy airplane I mean a big Mm. person sorry big person airplane it's it's a uh, turboprop style plane and uh, yeah I'm looking at the Passenger says, I've got a serious situation here. My pilot's gone incoherent, and I know I have no idea how to fly the plane, but maintaining 9,100. And then the tower says, what's your position? And the passenger's like, well, I'm pretty fucked is what my position is. How's that? I think my position is I'm fucked. Um, you would think that, you know, having not landed a plane before, that, yeah, that, that's, that would be, yeah, you're pretty much done. I mean... You know, you, you maybe get to the airport and, you know, get down close to the airport. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, you, you know, know what? I, bouncing I, I, around off the runway? I'll tell you right now. I 
What you just said is the part that is uh, anyone can steer anybody. I've let both of you guys, anyone can steer a plane at altitude. It's not much different than driving a car. It feels a little bit different, but basically you've driven a car so you can steer left and right. But getting it to the ground and landing it is something that is likely why most people in this situation end up dying because it's counterintuitive to land a plane because you'd think that you've seen it in cartoons that you uh-huh. head the nose downward and then at some point you go you go sort of straight and land the land the wheels on the ground but just before you land you have to pop a wheelie it's kind of like when you were a kid you pop the wheelie on your bike and you sort of rode it down the street and then at some point the front wheel comes down well that's what landing a plane feels like so it was, it's hard to describe i mean i'm not describing it that well now but imagine describing that to somebody who's freaking out in a big airplane to try and get them close to the ground and not smash it into the pavement oh, anyway i just i don't think i'd ever get in a cessna again in my older age i'm more of a scaredy cat and again, another thing I admire about you, your commitment and your studying. It's one thing to become a pilot. Then it's another goddamn thing to get in the plane and take it up in the air. And it's well, that's what pilots do. They, really. That's kind of part of the, the thing. And then it's like you're seconds from being a pancake. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, there is that. I do. I do admit there is that part. <laughs> and I know it never happened. It rare. No, I shouldn't say it never. It rarely happens. The odds are worse than a car and everything. But just that whole feeling of how many thousand feet are you in the air in one of those planes you flew? Well, the highest I've ever flown a, a sort of single engine Cessna is 14,000 feet. But I've flown a twin engine plane close to 10,000 feet. But yeah, the so, height doesn't but really but matter. Yeah, but that's the thing. So it doesn't matter 14, whether you're... 14,000, that would kill you, right, if you went down there. Uh, no, 1,000 feet off the ground would kill, would kill you. <laughs> 100 feet. 100 feet. 15, but 15 feet would kill me. I, I'm, listen, I'm, I've gotten way less advanced. We've talked about how you and I would never... I'd never go wakeboarding again. I'd probably never snowboarding. I just don't have the... And, and I have not chosen to go flying in an airplane, even though my buddy who was here last night, I could, I could arrange to be in a small plane this weekend. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't be pilot in command, but I could easily get into a plane and fly it this weekend with somebody else. And mm-hmm. I don't have the desire either because the consequences are, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty dire. I've told the story of Dan being the first passenger mm-hmm. I ever took into a, on a flight after I got my license. He was the first person I ever flew with that, if I got in trouble, he was going to die. Because up till then, I'd only ever flown by myself or with an instructor or with another pilot. So when Dan and I were sort of taxiing down the, the not the runway, but the taxiway, getting ready to go to the runway, my, I was shaking. My legs were shaking. Yes. Well, that's a big responsibility. It, it, and, and it hit me that I am responsible for this beautiful man mm. who was wearing a flight suit. <laughs> That was that's right. That was yeah. part of the charm. Dan showed up as my first passenger dressed like he was in Top Gun. Like seriously, like a full on onesie flight suit with yeah, his with giant fire retardant and everything. <laughs> his fucking giant hammer leaning left, I believe. It was left that day because of the wind. Dressing left, yeah. Dressing left anyway, yeah. It's funny. All right, well you gotta go get pus removal machine. Pus removal. How do they are they are they going to cut it out or are they going to like they vacuum? Dan, they vacuum? Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan. 
Yeah. Fred, Fred, Fred. When I sent you guys pictures weeks ago, it looked a lot worse than it was now. It dried up and had oh, this no. horrible sore head that literally just fell off one day. So it doesn't even look that bad right now. And what did you do with that? Did you take it and just freeze it for later? It's or? funny you say that because my son, you know, we have, you know, senses of humor. He said the same thing to me. He said, so what would you do with it? And I said, I threw it in the toilet. He goes, really? And I said, yeah. And then it tried to get out. You <laughs> <laughs> found that very funny. You found that very, very funny. Freddy, it's your pus bar. I'm coming back for you, Freddy. <laughs> Uh, tomorrow, there's a ton of, a ton, there's a metric ton of emails, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com if you want us to read. Uh, any questions you've got about this week's show, there's a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry, what did I miss? Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Okay, let's do that first, but I was going to say there's a bunch of stuff uh, from Tony's appearance, there's a few others, uh, and tomorrow, a uh, basically just, it's me and Freddie and Dan and Mike and your emails, again, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. What about the Chamber Plan? Uh, yeah, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Um, go there today, chamberplan.ca. If you're just wondering about this thing, look at the testimonials all across the bottom there. Fantastic how this has worked for several uh, small businesses across this great land of ours, this great free land of ours. Freedom! You can get a free quote. It's, uh, you know, uh, prescriptions and dental insurance and all sorts of therapies that are available. They have a HR component now. We heard about that a couple of weeks ago. A mental health consideration, obviously, through these COVID times where people have just been, you know, literally screwed over and need some help. Yeah, it's there for you. The Chamber of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. All right. Thanks to uh, Bob Weeks. And it was, uh, I found it very enjoyable because I like talking about golf. And now here's Dan Duran to say so long. This golf episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, and Hush Blankets with their 100 night guarantee. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, listen tomorrow for a ton of contact. Content, content. Take a load, please. Like and subscribe. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?